Good morning. Staying Judan here on the bustling streets of Cachi this morning uh, off of Ruta Cuarenta in Argentina. And boy, have I got a show for you today. So I hope you enjoyed, first off, the show with Joseph on his Cachiva from Germany. He is currently somewhere in Peru. He said, uh, he said something about Machu Picchu. I don't know what it was. Greg and Ella just did Machu Picchu yesterday. I don't, I don't think Joseph did. I think Joseph did what I did, which was, you know, found something else to do instead. Uh, but I enjoyed sitting down with him. But today I'm going to talk about <clears throat> my trip leaving Quince Mill and headed for Death Road in Bolivia. Yeah. I mean... I've been wanting to ride that road ever since I heard about it 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, there was still some ground to cover to get there. So this is going to be a two-parter. And uh, this first part is just really getting out of the rainforest and we're getting into it and then back out of it and then to the border of Bolivia. Let's get into it. Okay, what if this fucking city, Catchy, it's a little city, city, that's, that may be a bit extreme, but uh, Catchy, C-A-C-H-I, beautiful spot, and uh, I met a guy on the side of the road as soon as I got in Argentina, or actually the evening of the day I crossed in, and uh, he told me about this, I'm glad he did, it's a, definitely a sweet spot, um, so, I'm making good ground. I got, I got about eight to ten hours of riding today. And, yeah, <laughs> a few more days of that. And I will be flying home to Texas for Born Free. That's fucking right. And uh, Nick informed me, Knives Made by Nick informed me this morning that I've been telling you all the wrong information. Uh, Thursday night party at Stroker's. With uh, Fast Life Garage, Hang'em High Customs, and the DFW Dyna Crew is at Stroker's in Dallas. And then Friday night, the party is in Nacogdoches, not Waxahachie, Nacogdoches at Lugnuts. And that is just down the street from the Yellow Rose Canyon. So that's an easy pull. Easy pull. And, um... Dude, yeah, Born Free Texas, dude. Fucking party Yellow Rose Canyon on Saturday and Sunday. Lulu and the Black Sheep, the Outbound Train, Mothership, and a whole list of other uh, fucking doom metal. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing all your smiling faces there. Then um, what happens after that? I don't know what happens after that. Oh, I go to Nepal thanks to Motorcycle Sherpa. Dude, I had a snafu with with the sign-ups there. Fuck. Anyways, I think we got all straightened up. And, uh, man, it's going to be fucking, it's going to be great. I uh, am really, really looking forward to it. But if you want to support the show, you can help me support motorcycle shops from all over the country, sometimes outside the country. By going to mcshoptees.com and signing up now to receive a different t-shirt every month where I feature different shops that are doing great things and keeping people on the road. Sometimes I feature shops that are keeping people on the waves, though, like I'm doing for next month with Che Boards or this month. Yeah, and uh, I hope you were signed up before the first year. You're going to miss out on this t-shirt. It's fucking rad. Chopper riding a wave. Juan Diego and his crew of guys are fucking badasses. And, uh, you know, when you go to a surf shop and everybody's got a motorcycle there, you know, it's pretty fucking sweet. So, first of its kind, don't think I'll be doing this very often, okay? Featuring motorcycle shops. I got a couple. I already got the next two lined up, so 
pretty badass thing. We got men's sizes, women's sizes, and kids' sizes. You can sign up monthly or buy three, six, and 12-month packages. It's a great Christmas gift, the gift that keeps on giving. So, man, go check it out. DangerDanceTalkShop.com. You can sign up to be a patron. Get a chance at winning a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs every single month. And it keeps me on the road, keeps this show coming to you, keeps me staying at these shitty hotels with Wi-Fi. Actually, this one, it's not even, it's not, it's not a shitty hotel. It wasn't the cheapest. The hostel was the cheapest, but it didn't have parking. And, uh, but this one is like, it's made, I mean, I got a rock floor, like a, a wooden bamboo roof. It's an interesting spot. The bed, there's like they put as many beds in there as they possibly could. It's a, it's pretty, pretty wild. It's right on the square, so that's pretty sweet. And it's the first place I've ever stayed out. They were like, for the free breakfast, you have to walk down the street to a place and find it. And I am standing in the middle of the square, and I've been looking for this place since I got here, and I haven't yet to see it. So, and they're setting up for some kind of political rally. I guess today is Saturday. Somebody's going to give a talk in the park. Maybe it's not political. But uh, I'm going to get some numbers squared away for the T-shirts. Get this podcast loaded up and dropped. And uh, you guys enjoy this little recap. Here I am. I am in Uni, outside the Uni Salt Flats, which, as I learned today, you you don't enter the Salt Flats from Uni. Okay, but we'll get there. So, what I want to talk to you about now is, first off, all the coca leaves in my lip right now. Yeah, I... So, I met Joseph at... Where did I meet him? In Quince Mill. And it was like, finally, I made it to the rainforest. I'd been in Peru for days, and I just didn't feel like it just wasn't the Peru that I imagined. I imagined that the whole fucking country was a, was a rainforest, but it's not. Mm. Get this stuff situated a little better. Uh, but it was definitely a breath of fresh air running into Joseph on his fucking custom adventure bike. What, I mean, what a rad dude. What a fucking seriously rad dude. I need to hit him up and see what he's up to now. But, uh, Quince Mill is like just kind of entering the rainforest. And what was crazy is like that that rainforest valley, you know, I had to climb up to 15,000 foot of like barren land, like out of almost a desert, high desert atmosphere. And then drop down in like as I got lower, the tree canopies rose along with the temperatures. And it was just, you know, it's really cool to go to Quince Mill after like, Telling my friend Genevieve, Dr. John, that one day I was going to ride down there and meet him in the jungle. You know, I finally did it, but he wasn't there, you know. I went to the place that he used to live, and, you know, it was a pretty wild little town because, you know, there's a bunch of hotels, hostels, but there was a lot of locals. You know, I didn't see any travelers, but once you went to the the liquor store, you could tell that there was people not from there that were hanging out there because there's no need to have all that different types of liquor for the locals. Nothing against the local habits, but I'm just saying. They had a lot of shit in there. So there's people like John, some people, some, you know, some students, some professors, uh, people probably studying for, you know, whatever it is. That's the most 
biodiver- it's the biodiversity capital of Peru. That is the spot. Anyway, so we sat down, we did the podcast, we went and had some, we found a late night hamburger joint, like only in a place where students and professors frequent would there be a late night burger joint like this. And really the TV was on, so I'm sure that's why all the seats were filled up, but it was a decent burger for where we were at. And the next morning we both took off. I put out a podcast. Joseph hit the road a little bit before me. I was probably 30 minutes behind him. And uh, he was headed up in altitude, and I was, you know, I didn't quite go down, but I got more into the thickness of the jungle, you know, like the, the humidity really started to rise. Uh, the trees, man, there's just so many different types of plants. Like, this was one of the few times on this trip where, I mean, I was really letting people pass me because I was not looking at the road. I mean, I was looking at birds, these weird bird nests hanging from trees that look like teardrops, but... They were, they were the shape of teardrops, but they were like, uh, like I've seen moths make nests kind of like that, where it's like leaves kind of bound together. And uh, that, after talking to Janelle, she was telling me that that bird that makes those nests is probably the one that was dive bombing me. I am not going to try and pronounce the name of that bird, but, you know, there were so many questions I had for Genevieve, and I wish that he would have been there, and... Um, Janelle offered up the opportunity to park the bike and ride a boat into the, you know, ride a boat into the jungle. Because that's really the only way to access the real deep part of the jungle. I mean, Iquitos, it's a giant city, but it's in, I don't know if it's a giant, I've never been there, but it's, it's a big city, but it's in the jungle. You can't get there by car or by bike. Well, supposedly. But, you know, I wanted to make time and... You know, this trip wasn't about exploring the jungle. I did have the opportunity to go do some drugs in the jungle as well at some ruins in Cusco. And, you know, I just wasn't, I don't know, it's funny to say that because if you'd have told me 10 years ago I'd be down in the most opportunistic spot to do ayahuasca or something, and I didn't do, like, I just wouldn't have believed that I wouldn't have done it. But I didn't, and uh, just kept riding and looking at the plants and, you know, you you come to an intersection where you can go north to uh, Brazil, where Joseph came from, Mazu, Mazuko, or you can continue the loop back down to Lake Titicaca, which was the direction I was going. And once I made that turn, it kind of turned into, you know, people poaching farmland out of the jungle. And really, they were growing a lot of fucking coca leaves. And... You know, just seeing these families with these tarps laid out and drying it, it was uh, it was just surreal. Like it was, sur- like I saw a couple of them, and I'm like, what What are they drying? Like they're drying leaves, huh? Oh, the fucking cocoa leaves, you know. And up to this point, me and Brian Helm got a small bag in Quito, but it was like a, you know, it was a. What do you a tourist gimmick? You know, it's just a little bitty like, I mean, fucking fifty leaves, not even fifty, probably twenty five leaves or something. But we're talking about like twenty by forty tarps filled with fucking leaves drying, and then you see the bushes, and oh my gosh, I was just like, you know, and I had been told that that was like a, you know, a pretty dense spot for this kind of thing, and. I, uh, it still caught me off guard. Like, it still was like, you know, I guess it was just surreal to be riding through the fucking rainforest and there'd just be coca leaves laying out where you could buy them. So, the, sure enough, now when I talked to John about chewing coca leaves, he told me that there was a trick, you know, like he had a, uh, you know, he, he gave me some some tips. Like, one thing he said, pull the fucking stem out just because it makes for a pleasant chew. And then you got to get this thing called Yipta. Lipta, Yipta, Yipta. And <laughs> he said it's just like this stuff you mix in that helps break down the alkaloids of the leaf, you know, where it can really, you know, get you moving, right? And, but I hadn't seen that. I mean... I mean, it, you just, I, you know, I hadn't seen it. Anyway, so I'm going through the jungle, 
seeing all the leaves. And I stop at this little market. I think I buy a banana and a water. And then I see this little clear cellophane bag with like a, a golf ball size black looking uh, like hash. Really, that's what it looked like. Was hash. And I, you know, I pick it up and it was a baka, like a record, like a box of records, except for it was just bags of these black balls. And I pick it up, I ask the lady what this is, and she rattles off something I couldn't understand. And I was like, Yipta. She says, See. So I'm like, All right. So now I'm buying a black ball of fucking hash looking stuff. But I still hadn't got like a good bag of coca leaves yet. So I take off and and I'm thinking, like, man, I could probably just pull over and ask one of these families that has, like, these giant tarps of leaves. I could probably buy it for a really good price from one of these people. But I still felt like it was, like, a, I don't know, like I was doing something illegal, you know, like fucking white boy looking for cocaine in the jungle. And uh, so I did, and I just kept going by him. And finally... Finally, I'm like, all right, that's it. I have got to get some of this shit, right? And then I came to like this, this like trading town. I can't think of the name of it. But there was just a bunch of fucking, uh, you know, food vendors, a bunch of fruits, you know, everything. Just laid out on the street, and sure enough, I see a gr- giant green bag of coca leaves. I pull over immediately. I buy pineapple and a bag of leaves. And it was like... I think I gave him 12 soles, which is probably $4 for a pineapple and a bag of coca leaves. <clears throat> so now I got the leaves. Take off riding. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't immediately just start chomping on them. And that black stuff was still worrying me, you know. So I sent a picture to John. And uh, I keep going. And. And sure enough, you have to climb back out of the rainforest. And you end up going back to 15,000 foot. So you start ascending. And, and, it, and at this part of the jungle, you also see like a, like a pipeline. Like the rivers being, uh, what do you call it? Like harvested for rocks and sand and whatever's in the river bottom. And they're doing a pipeline through the mountain. They're building tunnels. There's road workers everywhere. It was fucking so strange. Uh, but I, you know, when there's a nice paved road that goes through that motherfucker, you know, people are going to figure out how to make money out of things that can, they can put on that road and send to town. So makes sense. I'm sure the road was built for that, whatever they're transporting in that pipeline. Anyways, I start climbing and I'm like, you know what? I mean, this, these leaves I have are for altitude. Like that's why everybody uses them is because, you know, the elevations that you go from. I mean, I was down. I don't know what I was. I wish I would have looked at my altitude when I was at the bottom where it was like really dense and thick with humidity, but I did not look. But I start climbing. I'm like, fuck it. You know, I pull over and I pull over by a waterfall, of course. It was beautiful. And uh, just start pulling stems and fucking sticking leaves in my mouth. <clears throat> but I just wasn't sure about this fucking, this black I mean, it's a fucking ball of tar is what it, I mean, it's, it's not pleasant, right? And John did say, if, <clears throat> if you get it on your lips, it can burn you, you know, like you got to wrap it up in the leaves and little balls or, you know, there's a couple of different methods. So I just do the leaves and get a big old fucking sheep full and start climbing in the road. I mean, it just fucking switchbacks like you just start getting further and further away from the water. The fucking more altitude you climb, the trees start getting lower right with the temperature, you know. It starts getting cold as shit, going through tunnels. and God, it was fucking beautiful. It was, it was so beautiful. And, uh, you know, my cheeks going numb. You know, it's like swallowing the... The juices as you chew on the leaves is almost, it's, I wouldn't say it's like a drip when you do cocaine, but it's like, you know, it's, it's plenty for when you're riding a motorcycle through a fucking third world country, all right? It is plenty, okay? And I start climbing in altitude, and, uh, and I come to a roadblock, and, and we're starting to get to the clouds again. 
And I think at this point we were like 12 or 13,000 foot, and I should have taken advantage of this moment to put on my rain gear. I should have. That would have been, that would have been a real smart thing to do. But I didn't. I was just like taking pictures and, you know, next thing you know, this fucking cloud is on us. And the day before riding in, I put my rain gear on, but it was literally like only wet through from riding through the cloud. This time, I was not so lucky. Like, I took off, rode into the fucking cloud, and and immediately just started raining. Then it started fucking hailing, and I'm like, no fucking way. I have good rain gear just for this fucking situation. But, I, you know, I, I just didn't fucking put it on until I was soaking fucking wet. I finally pull over. All the cars I passed the last fucking five minutes are now passing me. I'm putting on my rain gear. Keep riding. And it stops. Like, literally, as soon as I put the rain gear on, it was not raining anymore, and I was wet underneath the rain gear. It was ridiculous. But anyways, you climb out of there, and it's just a bunch of fucking switchbacks. Next thing you know, you're at, uh, the picture here says 4,800 meters. So about 15,000 foot. I mean, that's fucking high. And you're above the fucking tree line. And anyways, I just kept going and going. And you just stay up there. I thought I was going to drop back down, but I don't. And at this point, I'm headed to Lake Titicaca. And it was, I mean, it was fucking beautiful. It was really fucking beautiful. I came to this one little town, and they were uh, up. I guess there's some, like, local elections going on. So there's a lot of political rallies and flags. And One thing about Peru is they take advantage of every free wall space. And somebody paints, you know, the fucking name. You know, it's all political ads. And their political ads are funny, right? So each politician has, like, a, a logo. But the logo is like... Uh, it's like uh, it's like your Monopoly character. You know, it's a very basic logo. Like one of them's a sandal, one of them's a shovel, one of them's like an ancient uh, Indian face, one of them is uh, like a hard hat. Well, you know, they're just like real simple, and they're all consistently simple to the same. Like they have their name and then a square with their like logo, and then a lot of them will have the logo of their competitor beneath their name. With a cross through it. Very simple stuff, uh, but it's everywhere. I mean, they paint it on fucking rocks. They paint it on wood huts. They paint it on fucking anything that you might see gets that paint. And it's, it's kind of annoying, really. It's, it's really fucking annoying, actually. But, um, dude, just fucking keep cruising high altitude. I mean, I'm fucking, I think I stay above 12,000 foot. And it's fucking chilly. It's real fucking chilly. And I don't think I'm going to make it to Lake Titicaca. And the sun starts going down at like fucking 5 o'clock. I don't think I ate that day until about 4.30. And I come outside at 4.30. And I thought I was going to be able to make another. And I probably could have made another hour to the next town. But that, uh, that sun was going down fast and the temperature was dropping. And I was already, I'd been fucking cold since I started climbing that pass. So anyways, I sent a picture of the yipta I got in the bag of coca leaves to my buddy John. And he responded by saying, yeah, you got the right yipta. Oh, let me, let me find this uh, because it's hilarious what he told me. I was dying laughing. He fucking, for all I know, he's right. He said, you bought the right the yipta. The secret ingredient is the urine from the ladies of high Andean villages. Each region has a different yipta. Sometimes they are sweet. No, it's just like no fucking way. Because I hadn't tried it at this point. But now, you know, he tells me this guy fucking, you know, high village Andean urine in it. From ladies, from ladies, so anyways, what do I do? 
Oh yeah. I fucking found a little I found a little hostel, stayed there that night, and I was in a place called San Antonio. And the next day I wanted to go to Lake Titicaca and park it right at the border of Bolivia. And I'd heard some weird things about Bolivia. You know, I'm I'm headed ultimately to the to death road in Bolivia. I've been looking at this road since I was fucking I don't know. Since I found the internet, probably when AOL was around. I don't I don't know. It seems like death road's always something I've just known about and never really like wanted to hit it, but wasn't ever I don't know. I guess I never really truly believed it was gonna happen. Like or I guess maybe I did. Maybe I just knew it was gonna happen and never put any more thought to it. And it was pretty fucking surreal, like <clears throat> knowing that that's where I was going. But Bolivia, I'd heard some mixed information about, like, you know, like not being able to buy gas. They weren't real friendly to locals. Um, You know, not great things, but uh, that's where I'm going. And Lake Titicaca is like the border goes right through the lake. So I leave this San Antonio thinking that I was going to, like, go down. But no. Lake Titicaca is like the fucking highest lake in the world. It's like 12,000 fucking foot. I've been at 12,000 foot. I think I did over 36 hours at over 12,000 foot. And I did notice it when I was like sleeping, like just not being able to like fully relax. Like I was always just trying to get air. You know, it probably has something to do with these fucking cigarettes I'm smoking. I mean, I'm not, I know this, but, uh, Anyways, it's just cruising. You're like, it's so crazy being up above. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. I got I to gotta step back. So I was talking about that village I came to where they were, like, they were doing the political rally. It was amazing because what that did was bring all the people out of, you know, the mountains and out of the little small villages to this one little little town. And they were all in the middle of town being able to see all these beautiful uh, Andean women I mean, who wouldn't want to put their piss in their mouth? You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. But, like, to see their colors and the way they were dressed and the looks on their faces, uh, you know, they were obviously there. Or what it looked like to me is they were there to hear somebody. You could tell the people that were, like, waving flags and uh, putting on the demonstration were, you know, were probably savvy to the cause. But then there was, like, this group of women with no... You know, they weren't rocking any flags or signs or nothing. They were there to see, like, you know, there's a stage set up for somebody to speak, and I'm sure that they were there to hear why they should vote for whoever it was. But what it did for me was bring all those women and children and men into one place where I could see them all and just ride by on my motorcycle, and it was so fucking surreal. Like, God, I've been using that word a lot, but... It really is, like, just insane. I mean, insane. So that was that was really beautiful. Like, I really don't like all the political shit painted everywhere, but having all those people brought together in one place where I could see them all at once. I mean, I didn't want to, like, just park the bike and stare at them, pull my camera out and film them, and I didn't. I just rolled by and soaked it in as much as I could, and uh, it was really amazing. All right, so I leave San Antonio, but before I do, you know, John's got me convinced. You know, that first mouthful with just a leaf was fucking, you know. You know, it was, was it awesome? Yeah, it was awesome, but I was also climbing a 15,000-foot road out of the fucking, you know, Madre de Dios rainforest in Peru. So, you know, yeah, it was amazing, but. It just, yeah, it was just all in the experience. But, you know, now John has convinced me to uh, try this Yipta out, right? So before I leave the hotel, they didn't have breakfast at this hotel. They didn't have fucking coffee. They didn't have nothing. So I'm like, you know what? I got something. So I break out, break out the bag of leaves, start ripping stems, <clears throat> and then I start pulling off little balls of the Yipta and sticking them in the leaves and wrapping them up and sticking them in there. And I probably did like two or three of them. Not a lot, you know. You know, wanna, I don't want to burn myself, right? John did tell me his first experience, he burned, him, his, burned his mouth so bad that he didn't do it for months. Even while living up there, just it scared him away from it. So 
I definitely didn't want that experience. But, you know, I loaded up and took off. And like I said, I thought I was going downhill to Titicaca, but no, you just like stay up. Like, I don't guess I've ever been up that high on a road for that, like riding for hours, but yet not getting below 12,000 foot. I kept pulling out my Onyx app to see what altitude I was at. And all I would look at was just the one, two, 12,000. Like, I just kept seeing that 13,000. I'm like, it's just fucking insane. And I'm leaving this town, <clears throat> and I pull over, and uh, I, f- I find, like, a little hut with drinks, thinking I'm going to get some coffee. No. I spit the leaves out. I'm feeling fine. I drink, get, get some water, and I take off. And then I see this guy pushing his bike down the side of the road. And, uh, you know, I roll by him at first, and I'm like, wait a second, dude. You know, turn around. So I go back. And as I'm pulling up to him, this, like, moto taxi, three-wheel moto taxi pulls up. And I'm trying to ask him, like, if he needs gas, what's wrong. He's just pointing at his motor and talking in a foreign language. And, um, and I look up, and the guy's in the moto taxi. They get out, two of them. And the driver, he's got a bottle of a beer, like a 40-ounce beer and a cup. And he's like, he's ready to fucking party. He doesn't care about the motorcycle. He's just stoked that I stopped. Pours me a fucking cup of beer. They want to take photos. Uh, I finally, like, while he, while this guy's trying to party, I'm trying to figure out if I can help this situation out. And finally the guy, after I pull out my translation app, you know, tells me his motor shot. And these guys are here to tell him. And I'm like, well, okay, let's, you know, drink a beer. And we, like, I have a little cup of that. And then I pull out this, this coca leaf moonshine I got in the mountains up in northern Peru. Share that with them. They got so fucking stoked, dude. They drank like half the bottle, literally at nine o'clock. I, I had like two fucking baby sips, and they fucking they went to town. But they were so stoked, and it was uh it was really fucking cool. And then they pulled out this wire and hauled the guy off on his dirt bike, dude. And they were fucking gone. And I took off and kept going, and finally made it to Titicaca, and you know that fucking town, Puno, P-U-N-O. It's crazy how, like, they all, everybody uses the same building materials. It's this fucking red brick. And you see the red brick factories out in the, you know, did I see one that, you know, in that high? I think I did. I think I saw one up there in that high altitude region. But everybody uses the same shit, red brick and concrete. And if there's any paint, it's a fucking a political politician ad. Like, it literally, it's that simple. That's just what it is. But you come in over the hill and it, like, yeah, the lake sits down a little lower than the road, but I think the lake's at like 11,000 foot. Is it 11,000? The salts are at 11,000. Maybe the lake's at 12. But they have like these fucking floating islands, these Indian villages that built floating islands out of grass stalks, right? And you can see these like colorful things out in the distance on the water. And I'm like, no fucking way. Like I've seen videos and pictures of this shit, but like, it was just fucking wild. And uh, I pulled down into Puno, and I needed some cash. It took me a while to find an ATM. Finally got that situated and uh, and kept moving. I wanted to make it to the border. I got to the border of Peru and Bolivia, like, you know, four, I, like about four. Like, I was tempted to just go ahead and go through the rigmarole of crossing in, but <clears throat> I didn't. Thank God, because <laughs> I did it the next morning, and it took uh, it took three hours, and it probably I imagine if I had to try to do it at four, by the time I got clocked out of Peru, they would have been like, "Oh yeah, the border of Bolivia is shut down or something," and uh, I would have just been in between. I would have been in the dead zone or whatever the fuck they call that. But uh, <clears throat> I was the first person there. Still took three hours. Um, they wanted a bunch of bullshit that none of the other countries wanted. Luckily, there was a guy there with a fucking a copy machine and a computer, and we we phonied up an itinerary and uh, had to do a declaration of something. And, like, I had to book a hotel for the first night. <clears throat> like, literally had to book a hotel for the first night. Now, I just talked to a guy at the bar here. <clears throat> he said they don't say anything. 
but you're supposed to check in with the Bolivian government every single night at every hotel you stay in and take a picture of your bike or of yourself at the hotel and send that to them. And then they check that at the border to make sure you did it. Now, that sounds fucking insane to me. Uh, but I guess I'll find that out tomorrow. But anyways, I, uh, you know, I wasn't sure about the route I was going on. Uh, you know, I wanted to make it to La Paz. <clears throat> La Paz wasn't that far away, but it was a big city. And the night before I crossed, I was actually talking to my buddy Tyler Valentick. And uh, he goes, oh, you're fucking, you're fixing to be in Bolivia. I got a friend. I think he lives in Bolivia. He fucking rings up his buddy. His buddy lives in La Paz, where I'm going. He used to race motocross back in the States. So I make that connection there. I'm going to go to La Paz and meet up with him. But there's a couple ways to go there. And the one way I took it was like, there was like a weird bridge or barge. And sure enough, dude, I roll down. And there's a fucking bunch of boats and this was the sketchiest fucking barge I've ever been on, dude. The whole fucking thing, like, creaked and cracked and, like, just moved with the waves. And there was two vans on it. Oh, my gosh. Just the fucking, the boards that you drive on don't even cover the whole base. It was, it was something else. I met a couple there that was traveling from uh, France and uh, super nice couple. And But, you know, made it across. I think it was like 25 soles or 20 soles, whatever it was. And uh, <clears throat> take off from there. And, you know, just this road that wraps around Lake Titicaca. I mean, Titicaca, it's a fucking big lake. And, uh, and there's a bunch of islands, like not the floating islands that the Indians make or the natives or whatever we're going to call them. But there's like real giant rock islands and, I think there's like, you can rent Airbnbs on some of these islands. It's fucking wild. And this road kind of like wraps around this bay and, you know, you take the ferry and then it wraps around a little bit more and then you're in, you're in I mean, and I'm in Bolivia. Like, and I filled up before I got there and, uh, you know, I wasn't sure about the gas situation, but I'll never forget this one stretch of road. It was like, st I'm still above 12,000 foot, and this was the only flat road I've seen in all of Bolivia. And off to my left, I could just see, like, the entire horizon in the distance was snow-capped mountains. i never seen anything like it. Like, it was fucking, it was beautiful. It was also a little bit intimidating, you know? Uh, but anyways, I found that, you know, the hotel that I booked at the border, it was a nice one, Murat, Murat something. And I called up homeboy and he was like, man, I got to have dinner with some friends and I'll meet you up later for some, for some drinks. And, uh, well, once he, you know, fucking eight o'clock rolls around, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm gearing up for some sleep, right? So I go to sleep early. I didn't hear from him until I woke up the next morning. And uh, I had breakfast. Oh, fuck, I almost forgot to tell you. So in between the border and the hotel, it was probably, I don't know, a three-hour ride, four-hour ride. And it was sick. Like, as soon as you start getting to the infrastructure of the city, there is, uh, like, what do you call those things? Ski lifts crossing the road. I'm like, what the fuck? And they weren't even, like, I couldn't even see where they were going at that point because the buildings got so tall so quick. But uh, when I got to the fucking hotel, I realized I had a bag of coca leaves under my fucking hat, and both of them were missing. Okay? I had some things that I wanted to do in La Paz before I took off to hit Death Road. You know, like I've hit these roads unprepared before. This time I wanted to, like, you know, prepare. But once I realized that I didn't have my hat anymore, I could just.
I'm not on the verge of crying. Just rearranging these fucking coca leaves. But that did bum me out quite a bit. <clears throat> the shit that I wanted to get done, like fill up with gas, you know, like in town where I could figure out what the situation was. You know, I heard from some people that you had to pay three times the price. They gave you the shittiest gas they had. A couple guys said you just can't get gas in Bolivia, which seemed insane to me. I needed some Bolivianos because another thing at the border, you have to pay 160 U.S. dollars for your visa. Now that lasts for 10 years, but I didn't have that on me. And my debit card was not working. I am having that problem. My debit card only works selectively, uh, which is not very convenient. But I had to give them all the cash that I had on me. I had to give them like $60 in American and then all the Bolivianos that I traded in at the border for my Soles. So I needed to go to an ATM that would like accept my card and I needed to get gas. I need. I wanted to get sunglasses. I hadn't had sunglasses in a couple of days and it was starting to get fucking frustrating. It seemed like there was something else I was going to get. But anyways, once I didn't have my hat and my coca leaves, I was just like, I was just bummed out. I mean, I really was. Um, and I couldn't figure out where I was going to go the next day. Uh, or not where I was going to go, where I was going to land. I had a route picked out. And on booking.com, normally I go through and like see what the available you know, hotels are in the areas. And there was nothing. Like there was, like there was, you know, everything from like six hours away to, to ten hours away. There was just there was no hotels, and I'm like, well, you know, I'll just find one, you know. Like, and I don't know, I don't know how much time I'm gonna take on the death road. Like, I don't know what it's gonna be like. Uh, you know, there's there's some apprehension that they only let bicycles because they don't let cars anymore. And <clears throat> I just didn't know. I just, just fucking didn't know. So <clears throat> that, uh, that's how I went to sleep without my hat and not knowing where I was going to land the next day, but <clears throat> going to ride, uh, a road that I've been dreaming about for so long. So, you know, just a bunch of different feelings, right? You know, like, it was, um, you know, that's just fucking how this trip is. You know, it's like a little bit of everything. Uh, if you get one of something, you're going to get a little of the other thing shortly after. But <clears throat> anyway, so I wake up the next morning, get all my shit geared up. I fucking look at the temperature, and it's 35 degrees, and I'm just like, no fucking way. And I know that the first thing I do is climb in altitude. Um, yeah, and it's like you like climb into fucking moon zone. You know, I hadn't seen trees since I climbed up out of the rainforest. You know, it's just been like bush. There, I mean, there was tree-like plant. I mean, there was trees, but not like old like trees. You know, like it's. Anyways. 35 degrees is not what I wanted to see before I fucking took off and climbed out of the fucking city. But I also wanted to leave the city early before the traffic got too bad because this city is fucking huge. I don't know if you saw the the story that I posted from the hotel room. I mean, it's, or even when I was coming down into the city, it's pretty insane. But, uh, I get all my shit geared up, and I fucking roll out, and I get to the edge of town, and I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't get fucking money, I don't have gas, you know, like, these are serious things, so I fucking turn around, go to the first gas station, and it's morning traffic, everybody wants to get fucking gas, and uh, I pull up in line, and immediately, this lady or guy, I can't remember, just like, tells me to leave. And I'm like, maybe, 
maybe she wants to let the locals first, right? So I just get back in the line. Like, I literally just ride, ride away and get back in the line. There's, like, maybe three cars or vans in front of me. And I pull up again. And she doesn't tell me to leave this time. She just starts talking to me. I'm like, yeah, okay, gasoline, please. <laughs> you know. Apparently what she was doing was letting me know that I wasn't going to get the price that was on the screen. Uh, I think she ended up charging me three times the price that was on the screen. Now, it's varied since then, but I think the first one in La Paz was three times the price. And there was only, it doesn't even tell you what octane. It just says diesel and gasoline. You know, okay, yeah, I'll take it. And, um, yeah, so that was good. I mean, that was comforting knowing that, you know, I can get gas. Because that was, that was kind of riding on the back of my head like, dude, if, if, if I can't, if gas is not an option, uh, you know, this is, this is going to be fucking difficult, right? And I also have another thing. I don't know if I mentioned, like, my time frame situation. I can't cross into Chile until after the 5th. And originally, I was going to go down into Chile after Bolivia. But, you know, if I, if I could get gas, then it would be easier to just drop down into Argentina. But I'd have to go through a lot of Bolivia. So I need to be for sure that I can put gasoline in my motorcycle, right? So this was a big win, big win. I got gas, full tank, in La Paz, death roads an hour away. But the lady didn't take a card there, and she took the rest of my cash. Like, my, now I'm out of fucking, now I'm out of Bolivians, and my card's not working real well. So, and I, and I take off to leave town. I'm like, well, I'll just, I'll just bet on the, no. No, don't do it. So I fucking turn around and I head back to uh, to the city. And uh, the first ATM I come to, it uh, it was like a yeah. The first ATM worked. That's what it was. Yeah, the first ATM I came to, shockingly enough, in the weirdest fucking place. I thought I was gonna have to go to like the center of town, like most of these places. But no, it was kind of on the outskirts of town, and I used it. And got some fucking, I think I got 1,000 Bolivians. Yeah, which I think, oh, I'd have to look. I think it's it's less than 200 bucks. It might be a little bit more than 100. But that was comforting. Now I got cash. I got gas. And I'm going to death road. Like, death road. Now, and I knew... From a friend, my friend Igarat, he's a couple months ahead of me on this trip. He came down here. He didn't even ride his motorcycle. He, he rode his motorcycle down here, but he ended up taking a bike tour on the road. So on the way to Death Road, North Youngest Road, I just start passing fucking vans with loaded with bicycles on the top of them. You know, one of them said Death Road on the back. Like, they're obviously all going to the same spot. And the, and the fucking, dude, you're, you're up. I don't know how high I was at this point, but I was fucking high. There's no trees. There's just jagged rocks and mountain peaks and sick-ass fucking road. And you climb to the top, top of this point. There's, like, a lake up there. And, and then you start descending. And, uh, you know, once again, now you descend for a while. And then... Sure enough, the uh, the trees start popping up, right? And then there's a sign that says South Youngest Road. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm getting close. I'm getting close. Go a little bit further. Bam. North Youngest Road. And then there's a sign there. It says the Death Road. I just couldn't fucking believe it. I just parked there. And at first, I didn't even, I didn't even, you know, normally I park in front of the sign to take a picture. I literally just parked it 
just, you know, couldn't fucking believe it. I really fucking couldn't believe it. I still, still can't believe it. But, uh, all right, I'm going to leave you hanging there again. And, uh, yeah, we'll finish this. We'll finish this next week. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, make sure you go to yellowrosecanyon.com and bornfreeshow.com and purchase your grass passes so that you can come party with us October 22nd and 23rd at the Yellow Rose Canyon for Born Free Texas. Go to mcshoptees.com, dangerdancetalkshop.com, lowbrockcustoms.com, knivesmadebynick.com, Tattoo Troubadour, Alan Wayne Nichols, no.com there. I don't think Al has a website. You just have to go see him in person. He'll fucking throw some ink on you. And uh, will he be tattooing at Born Free? I don't know. He'll be tattooing all the way up to it out there in Dallas, Texas. So, anyways, you guys have a wonderful motherfucking day. <laughs>